we have a Gen Y person and their role is our social media um, mm -hmm. coordinator. And yeah. they come up with ideas that I look at sometimes and think, well, I don't know that that's something that I would do. Welcome to the Content Maximizer podcast, where we share ideas, tools, and interviews to help you maximize from the internet so you can get more sales, increase customer loyalty, and accelerate your market authority. And now, here's your host, Lisa Cho. Hi there, this is Lisa Cho, founder of Content Maximizer, and welcome to another episode of the Content Maximizer podcast. I'm so glad that you've decided to invest some of your time with me. Today, our special guest is Bernie Birch. Bernie has over 20 years experience in the direct sales industry. He's currently the sales manager for a nutritional company called Relief, and he's in charge of the overall growth of the company throughout the whole of Asia Pacific. He's instrumental in the implementation of the company's content marketing and social media strategy, which has resulted in over 15% growth within the first year. So now, let's us jump straight into it. Good afternoon, Bernie. Well, wow, hi, Lisa. How are you? Very well. How are you going? Couldn't be better. Ah, what, things? A, what was that? Just got back from doing some training around Southeast Asia and things are hopping along and I'm feeling very energized. I know you have been traveling all around the place. I can see you are checking in, you know, in Facebook in all these different places. Thank heavens for Facebook. At least my family knows where I am. <laughs> yes, well, I, I really appreciate, you know, your time, you know, to, that you've taken out to join us for this podcast. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah, so let, let's go straight into it. You know, maybe before we get started, you can tell us in a bit about your background, um, especially in relations to um, the direct sales industry. Sure. I've been involved in sales throughout my entire adult life, and I've been in the direct sales industry directly since 2001. So that's 13 years now in one continuous bite, and I was involved back in the 90s, in the mid-90s for a further four years, so it's coming up really around 17 years that I've been involved with direct sales and specifically with network marketing. Mm -hmm. I worked for some of the large companies, or one of the very large companies, and I've worked for a small one, and I've worked for medium-sized ones. I've also been a distributor in the field, uh, and I've worked, had my own businesses. I've always been rather entrepreneurial throughout my career. Mm -hmm. So I've experienced a lot of different things. I've experienced what it's like to not get fed unless you sell something as a commission-only salesperson. Mm -hmm. I've actually learned what it's like to be running a small business and that the staff depend on you to make sure that they get paid. And mm -hmm. I've also experienced a large corporate side of it. Mm. But the other thing is that what I think has been very beneficial to me in my role within the industry is that having been a distributor and built successfully built a distributorship mm. it's actually given me a real understanding of what it's like on the other side of the fence so to speak which i think is something that uh, a lot of corporate people don't understand fully mm, yeah and what, what you said is spot on i mean 17 years in the industry and being on both sides of the of the fence really gives you a lot of insights on what is required and now being in the corporate side it really you know help you to um, to know what needs to be done and implemented and really fight for it, isn't it? Yeah, very much so. And, and I think that is true. There are times when I see decisions that 
being made from a corporate sense and I'm able to put my hand up and say, well, if we take this and look at this from a distributor's point of view, I don't know that this is the way that they would like us to go. But it's also made me very aware to consult build leaders consistently, keep in touch with them. And whenever any major decisions are being made or major changes, to ensure that they're consulted and there's a complete buy-in from mm. all stakeholders. That's brilliant. So, so Bernie, being in the industry for so long, um, what do you see some of like the major changes to the industry, say, in the last five years? Very simple question to answer. It's all about online, it's online strategies and specifically social media. I mm. think a, a company that's not heavily involved in social media and has a very clear social media strategy is literally going to be left in the wake because the challenge for the industry in general is that, of course, the baby boom has been driving this industry for the last 20 years. Mm-hmm. And the baby boomers are getting older. Mm-hmm. And the baby boomers don't have the same reasons to drive their businesses anymore. So you don't mm-hmm. get that same dynamic energy happening from the baby boomers that you did before. And so consequently, that leaves Gen X and Gen Y who need to be driving the business. And so with social media doing what it is, it's actually allowing companies to reach out to other demographics and other generations. But also it makes, because our business truly is global, mm. it makes that much easier. And one of the big trends that I've seen is that it's much harder to get bums on seats at live meetings these days than it used to be. Mm-hmm. And people are much more inclined to be sitting at home and maybe sitting in their jammies watching a business presentation on a webinar mm-hmm. because they don't have to get up and, and after being at work all day and then having to fight with the traffic and get themselves something to eat to get to a meeting, whereas people are much more inclined to sit in the in the comfort of their own home and go online and actually go to a meeting and do a training. And I see that as a really critical factor in what's changed and whether companies can adjust to that, but not only the company, but the distributors can Mm. adjust to that. And that's why this whole thing about the baby boomers and Gen X and Gen Y is so relevant as well. Yeah, and and what you said is spot on because, you know, the baby boomers tend to be less tech savvy, you know, even though there's the 80-20 rule, whereas like Gen Y, like with my understanding now, like, you know, in some companies, like 50% of the distributors are now Gen Y. And so to to communicate to them and to reach them is very different to how you will reach and communicate to the baby boomers. Um, so, you know, so to, to reach Gen Y, you know, what do you see to be some of the, the challenges that, you know, companies um, are experiencing in acquiring new customers in this current climate? You mean new customers or new distributors? New distributors. Okay. Well, I would say that it really does come down to that because one of the things is that today you need to be online savvy. You need to be involved. You need to be involved in social media. Now, you don't have to be a salty media, a social media whiz mm-hmm. to, to benefit from it, but you do have to be comfortable with it. And, you know, baby boomers have really a much more customer oriented these days. They're, they're more likely to find them as your, as your customers or your preferred customers. Mm. Whereas you're right, Gen Y, Gen X, uh, as your distributors. And some of the challenges, it's interesting because the challenges change, obviously, with each generation and mm-hmm. with each demographic. Gen Y in particular, if it's not fun, they're not <laughs> interested. And yep. uh, 
Yeah. And what it comes down to in many ways is the corporate leadership in a company. Now, that corporate leadership are in their 70s. Mm-hmm. That corporate leadership are in their 60s even. Mm-hmm. It's going to actually change the way that company, or it, what it does is it dictates the way that company chases and the strategies that are put into place mm-hmm. and the tactics that are used. Mm. And I think a company that the companies that are obviously out there doing it right, and for companies to get smarter, they mm-hmm. need to employ Gen mm. Yers yeah. in the relevant marketing positions, and they need to embrace the ideas that Gen Yers come up with. And I know from experience, mm-hmm. having done that at Relu, mm-hmm. that we have a Gen Y person, and their role is our social media mm-hmm. um, coordinator. And they come up with ideas that I look at sometimes and think, well, I don't know that that's something that I would do. Mm. But respect the fact that we're talking to a Gen Y who is communicating to Gen Ys Mm. and we'll get the results. So, you know, the challenges are changing the paradigm of the corporate leadership to embrace what's required and are they willing to break down the barriers and listen to people who are only 21 and 22 years old as mm. opposed to someone who's got 30 years experience. Yeah, what, what you brought on is a really good point because now it's kind of beyond just experience. It's about relevance. And you, when having, like you said, with relief, having a, a 21-year-old who is who looks after social media, they they know what is relevant to the target market. You know, rather than, you know, having, you know, all, all the experience and disregarding, um, some of the ideas because people think, or, you know, the, the leadership might think, well, that's not something I would do. So I'm not going to implement that and recognizing that, okay, I might not, but our target market might. And because this idea comes from someone who is from the same market and, and recognizing that and implementing that, that's a really, really good point. And I think the other aspect also is the, um, is the content on what, you know, what's being put out. Like you said, um, you know, Gen Y and Gen X like to have fun. And so therefore the content that you put out there need to um, have that energy in that to attract them in the first place. That's very true and also something that we've discovered in the last 12 months in particular is that what appeals to Gen Y doesn't necessarily appeal to Gen X either and Gen X have a whole different outlook on life Mm. to what Gen Y have and Gen X now predominantly are having children and having families and so their priorities change and so we can't assume that just because this is going to work for someone who's under 28 for instance that it's the same is going to work for someone who's over 34. Yeah, and and what what you what you talk about is a is a really good point, and and that also then goes back to segmenting different communication for different group, so that you are always speaking in a message that is relevant to that specific group, isn't it? Absolutely, and you're right to use the word relevant. And the other thing is that, of course, if we're using, for example, if you're doing a program or a strategy. Um, that you, what campaign is the word I'm looking for? If you're doing a campaign mm-hmm. and you're using Facebook and Twitter and Pinterest and your blogs and you're, and you're coordinating all of your social media so that you're getting the best bang for your buck to drive people through all the different types of media and to bring them back into your website, for instance, and mm. to try and engage these people. Well, the challenge is the same message that you're sending out is not going to work for mm-hmm. everybody. And so 
we've got to come up with multiple messages to make sure that we actually reach everybody for the same uh, campaign that we want to use, basically. Yeah, and, and that itself does, you know, present some challenges, isn't it? Because then it goes to how much resources do companies have available to be, to be able to have, um, say, the same campaign, but multiple um, messages for each of the groups so that is relevant and then therefore it will have a higher conversion rate. Yep, that's very true. And we literally just had a meeting here about that today and rejigging our social media strategy to make sure that we are staying relevant. So good timing for our interview. <laughs> there you go. So in, so understanding the industry, you know, really there are two aspects, um, you know, for, for these companies. Number one is acquiring new customers. Um, so therefore they're just, you know, purchaser of the products. Um, and then the other aspect is actually acquiring um, distributors. So people who want to get involved in the, um, in, in the, in the business side. So do you think there's a difference in approach to acquiring these two different groups of people? That's an interesting question because I think the answer is yes and no. And I think it goes back to what we've just been talking about because a lot of the philosophy around this industry was built and developed 30 years ago. Mm -hmm. And it's rarely changed. And that's because the main drivers of this industry have been baby boomers. Mm -hmm. Now that it's not baby boomers, who are driving the industry from a distributor business building point of view, like Gen X and Gen Y, mm-hmm. things have changed. And I don't think that every company has actually kept up with that. And I think that a lot of people still assume mm-hmm. that they can go about trying to build a business the same way. And I don't think that we can. No. For example, one thing that we've experienced is that there's no difference in the percentage of people who will build a business. Mm-hmm. Bottom line in this industry, you're looking at 80% of people around about who only want to buy product at a wholesale price. So they're not distributors. They will never sponsor. Mm-hmm. So they should be treated as such. And then, and because of that, we created a, one of the – we did some major overhauling and, and changes in Relive back uh, some year ago, and we really changed the focus in Asia-Pacific which of how we were running the business and how we would go out to the general public and how we would treat people and try to encourage them to engage in our, with us in our business. Mm-hmm. So we created a preferred customer status and most new companies that are hitting the market today are doing exactly that. Mm. So that a preferred customer is exactly that. They get a discount, but mm. they're a customer and we treat them as such and we promote to them from a product point of view. Mm. However, the other 20%, they want to be distributors. Yeah. Um, but only 10% will really work hard and commit enough to build mm. a really good business to generate an income or a full-time income or mm. further. Mm. It's that other 10% in the middle, they, they'll do some sponsoring and they'll create some volume. They're very important to a business. Mm-hmm. But it's a 10%, and what I call the 10%ers, they're the ones <laughs> who are really going to drive your business. They're the ones who are going to become leaders. But this 20% of people who want to be distributors – in my experience with four different companies, that's never changed. It's really the 80-20 rule. You always come back to the operator principle. And so having said that, we understand that. And so we very much lead with our products and our breakthrough in science that we have in our company. And we use that to attract people. And then from attracting people through and very much the science side of the science behind the products, mm-hmm. it's from that then we then qualify people 
for the business. Now, having said that, we still have a small percentage of leaders and distributors who go out there and they lead with the business. Mm -hmm. But most people, because they're untrained when they come into our industry, yep. most people can't deal with that. They don't know how to deal with it and they're much more comfortable leading with the science and the products. And so we support that and that's the way that we're going and it's working very well for us. Yeah, what, what you're actually talking about is um, the two words for either content marketing or education marketing, mm -hmm. right? And, and really about educating um, the market, and it sounds like in, in your case with Relief, is educating them about the, the science of the products and the benefits of the product. And when people understand that, then number one, they will continue taking it. But number two is that when they come across other people that they feel the products can benefit, they will also tell other people. Not because they want to sell, but it's like, you know, when something is so good, you will tell your family and friends about it so they can benefit from it as well. So, so it sounds like, you know, one of the roles that, that for a direct sales company, um, has to evolve over time now is, is become a lot more educational focus and produce a lot of content that educate the customers or the distributors on the different products and the different ingredients. Um, so that they can learn and therefore they share. Yeah, that's very true. And that is interesting because that is something that we're working towards uh, with the amount of resources that we have to actually give our people exactly what they need in that way. Training and education is so important and we can, we can only move at a pace that we're capable of moving because of our resources, but uh, that's exactly the way that we're going. And Again, it brings you back to social media and you know things like YouTube, which you know, generally speaking, if you want to learn how to do something, there's a video on YouTube to show you. Yeah. And and of course, we're we're moving on from just using YouTube to having things embedded in our website because the key factor for any business is to bring people back to your website, bring people back to engage them, and hopefully buy your products, join up, and and become fully engaged. Yeah, and and. I can see, you know, with really, you know, you guys are definitely, you know, very much ahead in, in this space. And, and I, you know, working together with you, I, I know that you are, you know, very big on the technology and social media. And, and a lot of other companies, they will have people stay on YouTube or, you know, just on the social media. But you, you mentioned a really key point, which is bringing people back to your site, because that's where you can have side banners to promote you know, the latest product or the latest events and, and your website is the place that, that you can control. So it's really, really important. Um, the other thing that I was going to ask, you know, you know, within the industry, the, the other aspects, once you have acquired customers or you have acquired distributor, what's really important for, for the long term is actually retention. You know, what do you see are some of the, the major challenges when it comes to distributor or customer retention? And, and what do you think is a good solutions for that? I think again, online is so important because you know, in the bad old days, so to speak, or the good old days, whichever depends <laughs> on who you're talking to, mm -hmm. customer retention was much harder because the company didn't necessarily have direct access to the customers. A lot of business was done in people's homes where distributors would buy up inventory and then they would take it and they would sell it or they would, you know, have been prepaid and they would distribute the products out. Whereas now, everybody, well, if a company's smart, every single customer and distributor they have is dealing directly with the company. And so the company has access, direct access through multimedia to mm. get to these customers and distributors. Now, 
it's different because the customer the customer is not interested in the business. No. And of course, we have a responsibility as a company, as a network marketing company, to let everybody know about the opportunity that's there. Mm-hmm. But we have to be very careful how we communicate that to people. We don't want to annoy customers and lose them. Mm-hmm. So retention comes down to the case of the fact that we've got direct contact with customers, we can promote to customers and promote product specials and promote campaigns and things like that to actually help us in that in that situation to keep a customer engaged with us directly in uh, with the company. The other thing, of course, is products. If your products are good and they work and people get results, then you're going to get people to stay on board. Mm. We've all seen companies that come on board, they've got all the marketing in the world, they're fantastic, it's all whiz-bang, they lots of sizzle, but that only lasts for so long if the products don't stand up to, mm. to the test of people using it and getting results. And I'm happy to say that really we have a huge retention on customer because people are getting results. Distributor retention is a different kettle of fish. We, we still have a good retention with distributors at Relive, and I'd have to say it's probably higher than most companies that I've worked before. But the bottom line with distributors, because now we're separating it out because we've created preferred customers and distributors. Where, to us, a distributor is someone who's building a business, no matter how small, mm-hmm. that's a distributor. If you're not sponsoring, you're not a distributor, you're a preferred customer. Mm-hmm. So for our distributors, we engage directly with them. Uh, we are encouraging people to get into social media. Everything we do is led with social media. And this is a major change for our company that, as I said, we started 12 months ago, but it's really benefiting us now. We're seeing the benefits and we're cr- attracting a younger demographic, which we want. Mm-hmm. And, our, and our older distributors who have been around for quite a while uh, realize that they need to get on the bandwagon and are becoming engaged in it as well. The social media has a big part to do with distributor retention because one of the things that we know over the years, studies have shown that one of the main reasons people stay in network marketing is a sense of belonging. Yes. And it's that fellowship that people get from it. And so social media really helps with that in this day and age where it's harder to get people to get outside and go to a meeting. And yes. Of course, the other thing is money. Mm. Your compensation plan is designed in such a way that you can just that people can keep earning money. Now, it doesn't have to be a lot for most people. Mm. Just as long as they're earning some money on a regular basis, that is enough to keep people in. Yes. I'm not talking about the 10 percenters who are the big leaders. They're the ones driving to increase their income to create a full-time income or beyond. Mm-hmm. But the other distributors as well, it's just a matter of making sure people are earning money on a regular basis. Yeah, and in a lot of instances, I know that you know people get involved even at a distributor level, just so that they can get their own products paid for. You know, so for a lot of people, that could just be the starting point. That's the first thing we teach people. Brilliant, yeah. And and you know what, what you said is so true. And and the beauty now is with technology and, and in addition to social media is uh, with emails and, you know, being able to automate email and create what we call nurturing sequence, you know, you can even set it up so that when customers come on board, this is the first email they get, this is the second one they get, this is the third one they get, and it's all automated and all working together. And the whole point is to communicate with them and to educate them about the different products and the benefits and how to take it and, and so forth. Um, it, it just makes the, the retention aspect a lot more easier because of the ability and the technology of to to automate the process. 
Yeah, I couldn't put it better myself. <laughs> okay, so now I want to ask you a question. You know, being you know, with us being in Australia, um, and you touch on this briefly, is there like a lack of resources um, an issue for Australian companies compared to you know the mother company in in the US? You know, from your experience, uh, the bottom. I mean, the short answer to that is yes. And most companies in this industry come out of the US. That's where their headquarters are. And so consequently, they're going to have more resources there. And there is two different types of companies I've learnt mm-hmm. coming out of the US. You have US companies who have business internationally. Mm-hmm. And you have international companies that are based in the US. Mm. And it's a really significant difference because the challenge for in our industry in particular, but I've seen it in other industries as well, but the challenge for the subsidiaries that are in the other countries, when you work for a company that's a US company that has that does business internationally, their focus is on the US. Mm-hmm. Everything they develop is for the US and then everything else is an afterthought. Mm-hmm. And so they, no matter how well designed they are to roll things out internationally, if their focus is US, then everyone else, it's a much harder situation to be in. Whereas if your company is an international company that's based in the US, mm-hmm. their focus and their strategy is to develop what needs to be developed on a global platform and roll it. They might kick it off in the US, but they roll it out because they've developed it from day one mm-hmm. to be actually an international campaign or an international philosophy. And that makes a huge difference. And I have to say that we've been, we're lucky here because we're given a lot of autonomy with Relive from our headquarters in the US and St. Louis because they do things that we have a choice of whether we actually want to adapt that to our market or not. And if we do want to adapt it, they work with us to make sure that it's exactly what we want. And not, a lot of companies aren't that fortunate. Mm, yeah. And, and that also comes back down to social media and content marketing as well because if you got content that comes out of for example the US and the language is very US centric like you know talk about pounds instead of kilos etc um or even sometimes to the point of the accent that is being used um it might have an you know adverse effect in local markets like Australia you know, so so that is another consideration for the direct sales industry where head office is in the US, isn't it? Yeah, very much so. And a good example from that with us is that um, yeah, about a year ago or so, we the, the US head office developed a, a series of three different short three-minute videos. And one was on product, one was on the business opportunity, and one was on the science behind the product. And they're all done with American voiceovers. And what they did was they let us see them decide if we wanted to use them, which we did. Mm-hmm. And uh, we went out and sourced our own local voice over talent mm-hmm. to, who worked with our US marketing department. And then they just basically did the voiceover on the same video. And we were able to use each one of those three videos in our market. And then we did the same thing for New Zealand by using a New Zealand voiceover. So in each market, the local voiceover, and that make, does make a difference, even yes. though we're a global economy and a global well, a global, I suppose, expanding, um, not philosophy, but mentality in many ways, a mindset, people are still parochial in many ways and they want to hear their own accent mm-hmm. when, uh, when they're yes. listening to 
something. Yeah, because it gives them a sense of belonging. Even though social media is global, um, the localization is still um, really, really important um, because it, then it gives people that sense of belonging and is closer to home, isn't it? Very much so. Yeah, Bernie, do you think um, companies in Australia is leveraging um, the internet and multimedia to its full potential compared to, say, you know, the the head office in US? Well, I think it's probably, you know, in some ways that's almost too general a question because some companies in Australia are leveraging the internet and multimedia really well when their head offices aren't, and vice versa. Some people, some companies have their head office doing it well and they're not doing it so well in the colonies, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And I think in Australia, there's a really wide variety of, of companies. If you have a look in our industry, some of the big companies obviously have the resources to throw at it and they're doing a much better job mm-hmm. and uh, than some of the smaller companies. However, some of the smaller companies, because they are smaller, can be more responsive. Mm-hmm. And while they may not have as big a multimedia and internet presence, mm-hmm. they are able to react faster and change what they're doing and have different campaigns and, and just be a lot more responsive to the field. So it is a yes and no answer. There is some companies that are, mm. are utilising it well and other companies that aren't doing it so well. Yeah, and, and I think that in, in that regards is, you know, it doesn't really, if Australia does well, it depends on how the US respond that they might, you know, adopt what is being done out of Australia and actually then roll it out globally. You know, so it's just really, you know, watching the the KPI and the, and the results and then responding accordingly, isn't it? Very much so. And we've experienced that here. We launched what we call our admission strategy in Asia Pacific a year ago, actually on the, on the 1st of May in last year. And in Australia and New Zealand, then rolled it out in October to the rest of Asia Pacific. And uh, some of what we've done here has been so successful that our U.S., head office and counterpart and now and have already rolled out some of what we've done here into the US. So that's exactly right. Wow, that's brilliant. So last question, um, what do you see uh, some of the trends that you see is happening in the direct sales industry, you know, in, in the next few years, you know, things such as, you know, Facebook and Facebook marketing and so forth, you know, can you see some of the trends that is that you see is coming to, to the direct sales industry? I think, again, it revolves around social media. And who knows where social media is going to go in the future? Mm-hmm. I think, look at what we have now with the myriad of different types of social media, but obviously the big ones being Facebook, YouTube, you know, Twitter, things like that, mm-hmm. Pinterest. Mm-hmm. You know, in some ways, I think in 20 years' time, it will look so different. We can't even conceive today what it's going to be like and that if we consider that fax machines back in the early 80s or late 70s, whenever it was, the fax machines really uh, were, were sort of the, the main way of doing business or communicating between businesses, you couldn't conceive of sitting in front of a computer with uh, Skyping somebody and mm. having a video conversation. That was, you had to buy hardware and, and set up almost a video studio in your office and to talk to the other office had another video studio in it as opposed to just literally downloading a bit of software, having an onboard camera in your laptop or your or, or your tablet, mm-hmm. and away you go. So yes. I don't think any of us really know where things are going to go, but I do feel that the whole social media aspect is exactly the right way, the way we're going, because it's becoming a global community, and therefore 
global sponsoring is becoming more prevalent. It's always been there to a certain degree, mm-hmm. but we're seeing a lot more of it in our business now because how much easier it is. Because with training, for instance, mm-hmm. video training, webinars, that people can be anywhere in the world, mm-hmm. and uh, their their sponsor can talk to them on Skype just as easy as they can talk to someone who lives a block away from them. Mm-hmm. So that makes a big difference. And in Asia Pacific. The big trend, without a doubt, was through smartphones and mm. through Wi-Fi and yeah. wireless technology because they don't necessarily, well, there's a very low percentage compared to, say, Australia, New Zealand and the US where there's a high penetration of computers in a home. Mm-hmm. There's a much less penetration in Asia mm. of computers in home. And the way people are online is through their smartphone. Mm-hmm. And I look at countries like the Philippines, which in Southeast Asia, according to a study I read recently, it's the fastest growing the sales of smartphones mm-hmm. in uh, in Southeast Asia with a year-on-year growth of over 300% of smartphone sales. Wow. So wireless technology and being able to communicate to people, be able to go and show, talk to someone about the business and go, have a look at this, turn your phone around and show them a two- or three-minute video. Mm. That's powerful. And I really think video and audio has always been important because people can listen to it in their cars like what we're doing now, mm-hmm. the power of video is just amazing when mm-hmm. you're face-to-face with somebody or even when you're sitting in front of a computer and you can do that. So I, I really think we are trending towards using online, using social media, and, and if everyone says this is a face-to-face business, and you know what, it is, but you cannot avoid the fact that more and more people are getting involved in this business through social media, through online, through prospecting in different ways. And people are having to, if lead generation was always the same thing, and eventually, yep, you might need to get face-to-face with people, but you can't possibly go face-to-face with everybody. Mm-mm. And I really see that it's just trending more and more and more towards social media, which, by the way, mm-hmm. is one of the things that is differentiating our baby boomer leaders away from our emerging Gen Y and Gen X leaders mm-hmm. who are embracing this completely Mm. All the baby boomers, some of whom embrace it, but most of them are just tolerating it and using it as best they can instead of engaging in it and emotionally understanding what it means to their business. Mm, yeah, and, and the speed too, like when you go digital, like, you know, once upon a time it was books, tapes and meetings. Now it's blogs, podcasts and webinars. And with all of this, you don't need to go anywhere. And, and it is so much cheaper as well, you know, compared, you know, to someone buying, you know, a tape compared to downloading for free from iTunes and having it available now, you know, with, with the, with the Gen X, Gen Y, they want everything yesterday and digital enables that. And, and therefore, you know, for, for people who really want to embrace this industry and build it fast, they can because now, the the tools and are available so long as the company can keep up in producing this type of content for the um for the organization isn't it yeah producing content is the biggest challenge it is for us <laughs> well Benny, you know thank you so much for your time you know i really appreciate it you have you've shared some awesome you know your opinions and also you know your 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 practical experience and application on what you're doing in this industry is phenomenal um so you know for for people who want to get to um, get to know you and wants to connect with you what's the best way for them to connect with you People are more than willing to find me on Skype, mm-hmm. Ernie Birch, or come on to Facebook 
and uh, my Facebook page for work is Bernie Asia Pacific Sales. So they can find me anywhere there. Brilliant. Well, we include that in the show notes. And um, yeah, thank you once again, Bernie. You have a good afternoon. Thank you so much, Lisa. Well, I hope you got some ideas from this interview with Bernie. If you like this episode, we would love to get a review or some shares from you. By the way, are you looking for ways to maximize from the internet but not sure where to start? Why not go to our website, contentmaximizer.com, and fill in the website review form? We will give you three actionable steps that you can take that can help you to engage, attract, and convert more buyers for your products or services. Well, thanks for listening, and I look forward to seeing you at the next episode. Thank you for listening to the Content Maximizer podcast. You can get a full transcript of this episode, plus access to a lot more free online marketing tips at contentmaximizer.com. See you at the next episode.